0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. Do you know that your church has problems? Really, it does. Your church has things in it that could be better. Uh, Or some things that may even be downright wrong, or at least in pockets of the church, right? There is no perfect church. Did you get that? And just to be clear, that, that includes your church. Again, your church is not perfect. Your church has problems. And so, as we go through the books of 1 and Second Corinthians, we're reading about all these different problems that were in that church. And before we hold up our noses and say, I'm glad my church doesn't have any of these problems. Oh, really? Really? Your church has none of these problems. There are no issues at all of division or selfishness in your church. Hey, if you find that church, please let me know, right? These are constant issues in churches all around the world, all throughout history. I think every church is battling against division or selfishness on some level. And today's reading, we're going to see one specific way that often does or right, one specific thing that often does cause divisions within churches, and when you look at the heading over the chapter, you're going to be like, I have never heard of this causing an issue in any church I've ever known, but as we dig deeper, we'll see it's some of the same principles, so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and if you're in the English Standard Version, you'll see there's a heading over the chap- chapter that they've put in there, "'Food Offered to Idols.'" And that's where you might be saying, I have never heard of that being an issue in a church. And partly that's because, guess what? You've never heard in our country, maybe even of food being sacrificed to idols. That's not something you've ever been tempted to do or somebody that you personally have known has ever done. And maybe you've heard of some fringer group somewhere doing it, but you, you've probably never been tempted yourself or known somebody, gone over to dinner at somebody's house and wondered, I wonder if this meat has been sacrificed to idols. This is a very different cultural issue. But a lot of the things... Uh, will apply to a lot of things that can cause division amongst believers today. Uh, let, let's just look at what some of what it says here. It says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So there's a warning against what I like to call a half-baked knowledge. And really, it's this knowledge that ends only in the knowledge where even here we see knowledge is meant to drive us towards loving God. Knowledge should actually drive us to humility and godliness. But this kind of knowledge was just puffing up. Uh, Some kind of knowledge, when we don't apply the knowledge or we don't actually take the knowledge about God and humble ourselves, all it does is make us think that we're bigger, badder, and smarter than anybody else. And that kind of mindset can cause a lot of division amongst God's people. And especially if you go to a church that uh, rightly emphasizes doctrine, which is important. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There are so many warnings in the New Testament uh, against false doctrine. But here we're all also seeing a warning. There can be a problem with knowing a lot of the right things, knowing right answers, but not having love. That's also a problem. And here the specific issue comes up. These people have knowledge. They know, hey, guess what? Idols aren't real. There's only one God. So who cares whether or not the meat has been sacrificed to idols or not because the idols aren't real. It's meat eat it, right? And maybe even you can get that meat at a discount because it's been sacrificed to idols and boom, now you're getting your meat for cheaper. That's called good stewardship, people, right? And you can see this knowledge and you can see how that worked out. And maybe you even find yourself agreeing with that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't care if it's been sacrificed to idols. It's meat. I'm going to eat it. Well, the problem is There were many people in that church, as it says in verse seven, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. All right, there you see some people in this church had been saved out of that background of an idolatrous background. And to them, this was a stumbling block where even they they could not eat this meat with a clear conscience. If they did, they would feel like they were defiled and uh, it was not a good thing for them. And so then you see Paul even saying, hey, you need to be careful because if you eat this meat, even though you think you have the total liberty to, and it causes your brother to stumble, or in verse six, it says, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. And so here, we start to get into what we often refer to as some of the gray areas of the Christian life. And we find some principles on how to operate in these areas. What do I mean by gray areas? Well, we know, unlike our world, that there are moral absolutes. There is such a thing as right and wrong. Uh, but we know not everything falls so neatly into those categories for in th- this is an example We know it is a command of God uh, that we are not supposed to be idolaters. We are not supposed to worship idols. That is a clear command of Scripture. Okay, but how does that apply to this meat? That's where, okay, well, what do we do? And and Christians who all want to obey the clear command of Scripture, they they disagree about this. Can you start to see how this could affect uh, people today? Uh, And while we see things like the biblical command, hey, do not be drunk with wine. We see drunkenness clearly forbidden in scriptures. Okay, I hope we're all on the same page on that command. Okay, well, how are you going to handle alcohol? Will you abstain completely from it? Will you drink in moderation? When you invite someone over, what are you going to do? Start to see how this, that's just one issue today. Another example from God's word, we are supposed to train up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, well, uh, what bedtimes are you going to set for your children? as you seek to train them up in the discipline of instruction of the Lord. What exactly is, you know, family worship or Bible time going to look like for your family? How are you going to educate Your children? What kind of entertainment choices will you make in your family? What kind of movies will you watch or won't you watch? Right? Do you start to see how there's this clear biblical command train your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? But then there's all these questions that even good Christians might disagree about along the way. So what are the principles then? Well, first, you need to realize that, one, we need to approach all of these with a humility, not with a knowledge that just puffs up. We need to realize, hey, I'm loving God and I'm loving people, and that is a part of how I'm navigating these issues. Another thing we see clearly here is we always need to be sensitive to conscience, right? Romans 14 is another chapter that speaks at length to this, and it makes it clear, hey, if you do something, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, okay? So we all need to clearly respect our own consciences. If your conscience has a t- trouble watching a certain movie, even though you might see another Christian that does it, don't watch it. Do not do something that would violate your conscience, right? You, you might look at a lot of other things there and say, I just, this does not seem right to me. I don't feel like I can honor God and do this. Don't do it. Respect your conscience that God has given you, but also respect the conscience's Of others, where there might be something that you don't have a problem with, but somebody else uh, amongst you does. And there you might need to say, okay, well, I want to be sensitive to their conscience. I don't want to, as it says again, I don't want their uh, conscience to be defiled and wounded, as it says in 1 Corinthians 8 12. So I want to be sensitive to them. And that leads to Paul saying, hey, I'd be willing to sacrifice for my brother. So there's going to be things like this in your church and you amongst your friends in your small groups and circles where there's going to be disagreements that Christians have. Remember those things. Knowledge Puffs up, right? Don't just approach it that way. Uh, Be sensitive to your own conscience. Be sensitive to the conscience of others and be willing, even sometimes, to sacrifice to say, hey, I'm going to back off on this thing because I don't want to push this farther than I think someone else would be comfortable with. I don't want to violate their conscience by encouraging them to do something that they don't think is right. And that's where we need a lot of grace in these things. There's honestly some issues where it's hard to tell who the, you know, Quote unquote weaker brother here is. Uh, That can be very difficult. But when we approach these things with humility, and with love, we find it won't become a big problem. But if we approach them with pride and selfishness, they can become huge problems in churches, maybe even in your church. So let 1 Corinthians 8 be a warning to all of us and encourage us towards humility, to encourage us towards love, and to encourage us towards the importance biblically of the conscience as we respect both of our, both our own conscience and the consciences of those around us. Let's go back to the Old Testament now and look at Proverbs 13 and 14. And one of the key themes that we have seen in the book of Proverbs is that of the fear of the Lord. And we struggle sometimes with that idea because we just like to think fear equals bad. Always In every circumstance, fear is bad. So the fear of the Lord, I don't like that. Well, we need to remember, no, fear can be good. There's some things you should fear and that fear will actually drive you to be cautious And to do what is right. And we see the fear of the Lord. If you look throughout the book of Proverbs, you're going to see it is not described as this terrible thing. It is a wonderful thing. And there are two verses towards the end of our reading today that really highlight that, that I want to make sure you stop and read and meditate upon. And that is chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. They say, "...in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence." And his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. So there we see these two statements, very strong statements, about how good the fear of God. Is The first one, uh, the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Again, I think there's that idea that if you fear God, you don't need to fear anything else. So you have a strong confidence because of your fear of the Lord. Or verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. That's a good reminder. God in his commandments is not trying to withhold anything from us. He is trying to keep us away from all kinds of traps and snares and painful things as we seek to avoid sin. So again, just think about those words. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And that will keep you away from so many painful, deadly things and will satisfy like a fountain of life. What an amazing thing the fear of the Lord actually is. So as we consider the fear of the Lord, let's remember those ideas from first Corinthians eight and say, Hey, here's a problem I want to fight against in my own heart. And in my church, as people navigate things where it doesn't seem like there's total clarity on what a Christian should do and how a Christian should be faithful. Well, I want to approach that with humility and love I want to make sure I'm respecting my own conscience and the consciences of others. And I want to be willing to sacrifice even out of love for my brother to preserve the unity of the church uh, so that Christ may be glorified above all. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.